Much of what we learn about science, nature, and the environment happens outside of school and beyond the walls of museums, zoos, and nature centers. I have worked as an independent environmental professional for many years and know there are others like me who interact with the public in communities worldwide. On the Talatera podcast, we discover who these professionals are, what they do, and how they create change. Why do I focus on independent professionals? I focus on them because they move freely through communities. They move freely between schools, organizations, businesses, programs, and other informal learning environments. They are positioned to meet the public where they are, and this is powerful. Thank you for joining us today. I'm your host, Tanya Marion. Today, my guests are Dan Kreisberg and Camille Simone Edwards, founders of Diversity Education in Nature. Dan and Camille's unique approach to diversity education occurs through the lens of ecological concepts. They pair outdoor experiences with conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Dan and Camille reach beyond the field of environmental education and lead workshops for students, educators, parents, and caregivers. They've also developed a program for corporate settings and are ready to work with decision makers at organizations large and small. In this episode, we discuss the structure of their programs, radical empathy, consuming DEI as a, quote, product, and healing in communities. Let's join the conversation. Dan and Camille, thank you so much for stopping by today and introducing us to diversity education in nature. And I so appreciate Dan for reaching out and introducing both of you to me through email. Would you mind introducing yourself to listeners, please? Uh, my name is Dan Kreisberg. I'm a sixth grade science teacher at Friends Academy. It's a Quaker independent school on Long Island. I've been teaching there for almost 20 years, sixth grade science. And um, I've also been an outdoor educator ever since I graduated college. So it's been a long time doing that. Worked at some different nature centers, other schools, done some independent work as well, and just love being outside. Hello, everyone. My name is Camille Simone Edwards, colleague and partner to Dan Kreisberg. I also work at the same Quaker Independent School on Long Island. Uh, here, I am our Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Um, I've been doing um, DEI work at this particular independent school since... 2012, but I have been the DEI officer of this school for the last five years. Um, and uh, outside of this space, I work as an equity practitioner and a personal development coach and consultant. Wonderful. Thank you. So I'm going to begin by making a kind of a, a general statement about the field of environmental education. And this is that most of the time you see activities that are uh, targeted towards K-12 students, uh, K-12 audiences, but your program, Diversity Education in Nature, is not. And the difference jumped out at me in two places. One is where you describe your program, and most organizations don't talk about corporate settings, and, and you do. You talk about your work in corporate settings. And the other place is in the types of activities that you share in the the page, the sample pages for the um, go in guide, the the walking guide that you have, and in particular the biomimicry page, um, and the things that you uh, lead the participants through there. I think that's it is a good challenge and good fun for all ages, uh, but I that one in particular stood out to me as I suspect being of particular interest and engaging to more adult audiences and how that could be just a springboard to all sorts of conversations. That's what popped into my head. Let's begin with how your collaboration began. What spark gave rise to diversity education in nature? Well, we were, our school was in session in person in 2021 and 
I was just looking for any opportunity I could do to teach outside because that's one place we could take off our masks and it was um, much easier to teach that way. And so just kind of thinking through things. And it was also a time at our school when there was a lot of conversation and talk about how we can do more DEI work. And, And Camille was incredible about, you know, talking to the faculty and talking to everyone about, you know, we need to do this. It's okay to ask questions. If you have any ideas, I want to work in the classroom. I want to work with you. And that really sent that message very powerfully. So as I sort of had this idea like, oh, you know, because I do, I taught some biomimicry before, but then, you know, once you started thinking about how much, what, you know, ecosystems and nature is doing that we could model in the DEI space, it's like, oh, wait. So, you know, I kind of came up with some, I came up with sort of the science side of it, the ecology and the activity side of it. And then I knew I didn't, I knew I didn't know enough how to tie that in. So I took Camille's invitation and, you know, came over one day. We met out on the steps of our library because we didn't want to be inside. And we, you know, walked through it. And then just after that was one conversation after another just led to what we're doing now. And what became so powerful for me is, at that time, we, I was looking at how could I be part of the movement, make some contribution to everything else that was going on and thought, all right, I love being outdoors. I, um, I know a lot about teaching. You know, Maybe this is going to be a way for be able to have a meaningful contribution. So it's just been incredible. Absolutely. And I think that for me, what what connects to that thought is that as a practitioner, you were just trying to help people in your communities find their access points, right? Everybody doesn't come to work every day going, I feel comfortable and confident doing diversity, equity, inclusion, social justice work. I know what my access point is. I know how to, you know, everybody's in their own space and, and we really want to meet people where they are. So for me, anytime a colleague can pick up the phone and say, I think I got an idea or I want to try something. My answer is yes. Like, let's figure that out. Let's find this access point because authenticity is so important in this work because people have to be able to sustain the work that they're doing. So when Dan said, you know, I've got these ideas, I'm looking for a, you know, a place to kind of build. And I'm wondering if you want to do some of this work together. My response was, of course. And what started as working on four or five lessons with, you know, his his sixth grade class has now become for us an entire platform and community's worth of work and offerings and programs. So it's just, it's, it's a powerful moment to think about how two folks that are in a community that have known each other for years came into this unique kind of partnership and what we're doing today, we, we only feel grateful for. You have programs or, or activities, um, I don't want to call them activities because there's they're more than that. I want to I call them, um, yeah. Well, what do you call them? You call them activities and acti- Well, I know activities, but it just sounds so. I don't want to say so school, but it sounds well. They're activities. They're activities within a greater program. But yeah. we, you know, so I guess activities within a workshop within a program. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah, <laughs> but you set the stage for conversations. With different age groups. Yes. And and how many age groups do you include in your program and how many settings have you held conversations in? Absolutely. I'm, I'm happy to talk about what we've framed up so far and, and what we hope to live more into. Um, and, and then Dan, weave in wherever you feel comfortable, friend. Uh, grateful for your voice all the time. Um, so what we've established with diversity education and nature are really four versions of this program. Some of the activities are the same. Some of the sort of workshop materials are the same, and then some are unique to sort of the stakeholder group that we are targeting in the offering. So version one is for students, version two is for educators, version three is for organizations in any sphere or industry of work, and version four is specific to practitioners, people who are every day in the work that they do identifying as practitioners, no matter what their job title is, and are trying to find ways to do this work. And so to that effect, we know that the work that we're doing for students charts K through 12, and it's all about developmental age and stage and scaffolding for lessons. Um, For our educators, it's educators of any, any kind of school teaching any age of child that's really focused on guiding crucial conversations that pertain to identity and community building and meaningful change with regard to supporting a school in their diversity, equity, and inclusion goals 
in a strategic sense. It's great for school leaders, classroom teachers, administrators, anybody. And then the organizational work is really about making sure that we're getting up alongside organizations to help them use Earth as a role model for fierce conversations they want to have about their human ecosystem within an organizational context and setting. Um, And then the work for practitioners is all about personal resilience and helping them build a toolkit for sustaining DEIB work. At present, we've worked with um, adults in schools in all kinds of roles and students in various grade levels. And um, we are hoping to be invited into spaces where we can work with organizations. We also have done some great work so far with practitioners. And so we offer equity seminars and one-day workshops and a plethora of things. So that's sort of sort of the, the landscape at the 20,000 feet view. Yeah, oh, that sounds great. Do you do online programs as well, or is everything face-to-face? I mean, do you travel a lot for your programs? Well, we, yeah, we, <clears throat> that's on the agenda is to have an online program. You're very excited about that possibility because as much fun as it would be to travel all over the <laughs> country and the world, you know, that won't be able. So, and the idea would be that there would be like a workbook or an activities and that people would do that wherever they are. You know, they could come back to us, maybe we'll Zoom with them, you know, or Riverside or whatever platform might be good. And that would be an option so that people could work. Could you, there is a lot you could do individually or, you know, we could have groups. So yeah, we are, we're hoping to have that. Um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And we're really excited about the potential of um, knowing that, and, you know, Dan was really fierce about helping us kind of configure this, that we're able to bring the outdoors inside too. So we're not bound, you know, by what a, a group has to offer or has access to. Um, we're really thinking about how to do this work indoors and outdoors, as well as what content we can offer in person and digitally, because we're also thinking about equity. And there may be people that find us that don't have a way to get us to them. Um, but by offering an online platform and building an online community. We're really thinking about how we just kind of get the ground to swell underneath this work a bit and be connected to anyone who would like to be connected to, to DEIN. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Camille, you used an acronym just a little bit ago, DEIB. And in mm-hmm. diversity, education, and nature, you focus on diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. That's the DEIB acronym. And I read that you emphasize brave spaces over safe spaces. And how did you come to take this position? Absolutely. This is a, this is a wonderful question. So there's, there's beautiful, um, just shared common language in, in the work of practitionership. And when we talk about brave spaces uh, as DEI practitioners, there's beautiful writing out there. And, and so one of the things that we share with our participants is a piece uh, written by Mickey Scott B. Jones called Invitation to a Brave Space. Um, and it, it's, it's not very many lines. Would you be open to me reading it to, to listeners? Okay. So the idea is that we have an opportunity to have an invitation to building brave spaces when we are together and learning. Um, so the words are like this. Together we will create brave space because there is no such thing as a safe space. We exist in the real world. We all carry scars and we all have caused wounds. In this space, we seek to turn down the volume of the outside world. We amplify voices that fight to be heard elsewhere. We call each other to more truth and love. We have the right to start somewhere and continue to grow. We have the responsibility to examine what we think we know. We will not be perfect. It will not always be what we wish it to be, but it will be our brave space together and we will work on it side by side. And so this is again, Mickey Scott B. Jones. Many practitioners talk about the difference of a brave space and a safe space. And what we generally know, we, we and when we talk about safety, we mean emotional safety, psychological safety. And we want people to know that in spaces where we're stretching a little bit outside of our comfort zone, we want people to think of the fact that it has to be brave that there is a stretch, they shouldn't expect pain, but they should welcome discomfort, and that we cannot guarantee safety in every single moment because safety means different things to different people. And when we're stepping outside of our comfort zone, sometimes what is psychologically or emotionally safe for one person might not be the same for another. So we agree that we're stepping into a space with bravery on our hearts and minds, knowing that it's gonna be vulnerable because we don't walk through life protected every moment in every day from things that cause us harm or disruption or pain. But together we accept those sort of terms of engagement as we do this public learning together about things that are difficult to talk about, no matter how old you are, 
Dan, how uh, do students embrace brave spaces? What is their response? Um, they like it. They like the opportunity to, you know, speak up. You know, there it's one of the things that Camille, Camille really brought to my attention is the idea that, you know, you, these low stakes conversations are really important. It's almost like you need practice. When I first started thinking about this, you know, I was all about, oh, we have to solve this problem, that problem, and this, this, this. And she said, no, we have to kind of allow them just to talk about their friends in a way that, you know, they can start to talk about some of the differences and it does, it's not always the big issue. So by kind of prefacing that, you know, that they they realize okay to ask some questions. I mean, some of them are still really nervous. You know, these are things, are we really allowed to say that word or talk about that? But it, it opens it up. And it's been powerful even when we open up with, you know, an adult group, you know, that poem sets a good stage. Yes, that was my next question. How are, do the adult participants respond to brave spaces? I just love the, the posture that you're taking, the position that you've taken there. Well, thank you for that. I think we're learning, you know, in real time because it tells us a lot about a community when when we see how adults or students respond to this invitation. I think that one thing that we learn culturally working with adults in any industry is what the culture of that industry says about taking risks, what the culture of that industry says about perfectionism, what the culture of that industry says about what should be predictable and controllable and what success looks like. Because by and large, as adults, we think that we should show up in a certain way and be ready for anything. And we don't necessarily put ourselves in situations once we're in an arena where we have prowess and ethos to be sort of taken off of that, right? Off of that posture. Um, we don't necessarily set ourselves up for things that feel uncomfortable. We don't choose or elect that every single day, depending on what work we're in, because the work that we're in is requiring a certain positioning where you have to be comfortable and confident. And a lot of this work takes people off their axis. And so we have found, I believe that there's a really mixed bag. Um, people are maybe a little nervous at the beginning, but then are like taking it in like water. Like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize how applicable this was. Or, oh my goodness, this is exactly what I thought it was going to be. This water is so good. Or, oh my goodness, this, this is a lot of water. I, I, you know, I don't think I want all of this water at one time. But like at the end, they're going, wow, that was refreshing. So it, it, we are really definitely getting enough data that lets us know that our, our adults that we meet need this and want this as much as young people do. And depending on what industry they're in, they just don't have proximity to what the value might be at the onset. But the curiosity is there and the openness is there and the willingness to grow across different stakeholder groups is something that we see. What well, we're also finding out is that, and this is for all ages, by engaging in the outdoor activity first, or, or, or if we have their indoor version, it kind of starts to break down some of the barriers. They're doing things that they might not normally do, and whether that's they're building a bird nest with their own hands or collecting insects or digging in the soil to find, you know, very, you know, whatever they can find in the soil, um, or you look at all the different kind of trees or playing certain games, that sort of starts to break down the barriers. They start to feel more comfortable. They, it just, it can lead, you know, more opening to then having these kind of conversations. You know, in a way they're, they're having fun. So they're having, having a lot of fun and like, okay, now we're going to talk about this, but it's starting with, you know, some laughs and smiles. Um, another thing that stood out to me is that you don't necessarily take an activity approach. And there's that word again. I'm using that word again. An activity approach. You focus on ecological concepts. Which concepts do you focus on and how do they relate to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging? Well, we started off this is not so much ecological concept, but we started off with the idea that there's certain skills that the more we practice these skills, the more they're going to help us in being able to discuss and act on DEIB. So one of the skills is empathy. So we have an activity where they try to build a bird. The main one is they're trying to build a bird nest with their hands or with tweezers or a clothespin. And then that leads into conversations about empathy and radical empathy. You know, we have some activities about noticing patterns because 
that's the skill of pattern seeking. You can see where things are working, where things are not working. We have some activities about wonder, just asking questions. And then we have some activities about creativity because we need to be creative. So that sort of sets the stage where they're just learning the skills. And then the three big ecological concepts, uh, one of them is biodiversity. So we have some activities where they're learning about the biodiversity in the place they are. And then that leads to conversations about diversity. You know, we need the biodiversity of our stable ecosystem. That's why we need diversity for a human ecosystem. And then we have some activities about mutualism, the way organisms benefit each other in a relationship. And then that translates to, you know, how do how can our gifts and the and the skills that we have benefit each other? Some activities on that. And then the third one is ecosystem interrelationships, just the way that an impact in one place can spread to others in a positive, like you can have a positive impact in one place. You know, we use throughout this, we're kind of using different animals and plants and organisms as role models. So like the beaver is our role model for ecosystem and relationships. Um, you know, lichen is our role model for uh, mutualism. And by having these, all these ecological concepts, it just translates to like, Oh, this is what would help our own community and our, whether it's in my family, my friend group, my classroom, my school, my community, whatever the group, rather group is. That's beautiful. That is a really big picture, holistic approach. And yeah, that's exciting. That's very exciting. Dan, you shared in your message to me that your program is about building radical empathy. In what ways do you do that? Can you provide an example of, of how you do that? Well, I'm going to mostly let Camila answer that question. <laughs> just, but like that, just say like, you know, the bird, the bird nest activity is to give them a chance to see, okay, you know, what's it like to be a bird? Where do you find the materials that you need? Where are you going to put your nest so that it's safe? You know, how, how is it possible that a bird can do this with their mouth? I don't, you know, we joke around like, oh, you should build the nest with your mouth. I mean, that's what the bird is doing. And you're sort of just giving them that experience. You have another game where they're role playing chipmunks and foxes and they have to sort of figure out in their role, gathering food, when to protect, when to find protection and, and some, you know, that there, so there's just chances for them to have the idea of what it's like to be another being. And then after they have those, those activities, then we discuss radical empathy, but I'm going to let Camille explain that because she, she does it so more beautiful than I do. <laughs> Oh, well, we're and this is where our partnership is, is one where we are really continuing to lean on each other and be teachers of each other. Dan teaches me new things about science every single day, genuinely. And so I'm grateful to be thinking about how we work together to grow and partner as we educate communities. It's been amazing. Um, so happy to talk about radical empathy. So we take empathy, this idea that that, you know, most young people that we work with have heard the word or adults are like, yeah, I know what empathy is, right? But we take this idea of, okay, great empathy, understanding, um, this idea that we're here to notice one another and that we're, we're thinking to ourselves, like, I seek to know you because I want to understand. But we want to take it one step further. And we are really inspired by the work of Terry E. Givens uh, around radical empathy, this idea that radical empathy is empathy taken multiple steps beyond where we usually stop. So it's actually practicing empathy, having an empathetic practice, which I'll talk about. But it looks like becoming grounded in who you are. It looks like be having a willingness to be vulnerable. And we see how all these things might connect to being in a brave space. Um, it talks about opening yourself to the experience of others. It talks about creating change and building trust. And then perhaps most importantly, which adults and young people, when they hear this, they go, oh, taking action. Like it has to get sticky. So it's not just about what's happening here and what I'm thinking. And oh, I've learned this thing about this person. Now I understand them. Wonderful. Now, what will you do with this newfound sense of understanding? And DEIN um, uses the earth as one of our greatest teachers to say, well, look at all of these things that the earth demonstrates and shows us how to do. How can we be more earth-like is one of the questions that we're asking. So when we talk about radical empathy and, you know, Dan talked about some of how some of our activities directly lead us to thinking about being empathetic spirits. One of the examples that I would connect us to is, okay, great. So if we're thinking about empathy looking like taking action, right? Or no, sorry, coming to a sense of understanding. And then radical empathy is this idea that 
It's empathy in action, empathy as a practice. Great. So if empathy is actually a skill, right, how do we do the work of making that active? So one of the things that we will ask students and adults to do is start to do some self-reflection. So pattern seeker, they're doing some noticing, they're doing some wondering. Um, And so we ask people to think about empathy as something they can demonstrate through attentiveness. So how can you be attentive to others, right? Because if you're going to do the work of growing to understand, you've got to be watching. And if you're watching and listening, you're getting new data to understand. And now what can you be attentive to? So that's a way to turn something that you've learned into an action. So one of the questions we might ask our, our, our participants is, so great, so how can you be more attentive to this said classmate or this said colleague in a way that's going to help you be in a healthier relationship to yourself? to them, right? So you're taking empathy and kind of putting it out in front of you and saying, what would, what, what would an empathetic practice become? Um, what is something in your life right now that deserves more of your attention, right? And so then giving them an opportunity to think, okay, if I'm going to be empathetic and I want to practice empathy, how can I apply that attentiveness, attentiveness to my own life? And then they can flip it around and go, great, now how can I apply this attentiveness to this relationship that maybe I'm struggling to be in friendship with this classmate or I'm struggling because you're my new boss, right? So we're trying to take all of these skills while using these examples of biomimicry and mutualism and interrelationships and wild nature and going, what does the wild nature ecosystem do so beautifully that, that we could intentionally practice in our human ecosystem? Mm. And what's what then happens is not, not say the next activity where they're collecting, let's just say they're doing the collecting the insects. They start asking lots of, you know, they're likely to ask a lot of questions about the insects. You know, what, what kind is that one? Why does that one have stripes? Why is that one trying to, you know, all the, just going to be feel, be feeling very free about asking questions. And then we, we, that can lead to, okay, you know, why was it easy to ask questions about all these insects and sometimes not easy to ask questions about your friends and how do you ask a question with respect? Because, you know, we want to get to know each other. One of the lines we've been sort of trying to get across is, you know, instead of trying to, hopefully I'll do it correctly, instead of trying to find out how much you're like me, I want to learn more about what it's like to be you. And so asking questions with positive intent, but also realizing that, you know, maybe sometimes you do ask a question that wasn't as, you know, you might, you might have done it with great intention, but maybe the impact isn't what you wanted. But the only way to learn is to ask questions and that practicing asking questions with wild nature opens the door to practicing asking questions with in your human ecosystem. Right. Yeah. So you lead this program throughout the school year and, or is it also um, what I think primarily through the school year, but also through summer sessions after school sessions. I mean, where does it fit in your usual, in your work day, in your programs, your school programs? Dan, would you like to share a little bit about what, look, what it looks like during the scope of the school year? And I can talk about other pieces. Okay. Well, I mean, we both have full-time jobs. <laughs> so right now it's kind of, we work on it, you know, in the evenings and in the mornings and the weekends. Um, lots of, you know, we meet at school, we have Zoom meetings, we take, you know, we're, so we're just kind of at this point in a way, just finding time when we can. Um, we have been able to go to some conferences, visit some schools during, um, you know, during the year. And, you know, this summer we're hopefully, you know, this spring and summer work on, you know, put a little, be able to put a little more time into it during the summer, but, and start to, you know, we're hoping is, you know, eventually, you know, get more and more, you know, groups that we're working with. And then as we get more time, it can just expand, expand, expand it. Yeah, we wish there was more time. That, that's the we, we want more time because we have so many ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So go ahead, uh, Camille. You can go ahead and and, and answer. Um, it just uh, it's just a mix of things uh, right now. I mean, we are fairly young. DEIN is fairly young, uh, is what I mean. Um, and we're trying to figure out, you know, all of the ways we want this work to live. And what we want it to be, which is why at this juncture, we're, we're calling it a program that we've designed together that has several different kinds of offerings. And our work right now is is pushing into communities in the ways that feel and make most sense to us. So we have the curriculum that happens within the scope of the school year that happens through Dan's class. But um, last year, we started offering it uh, as after school workshops for colleagues 
that that just could give us a one-off here and a one-off there. And that felt really great. Um, coming back from doing um, presenting at the People of Color Conference last fall gave us some ideas about what it would feel like to create an equity seminar. So we're doing a, a Saturday equity seminar on Earth Day this year because we thought, why not? Why not create another container for this to live in? And so we're doing a lot of... Um, what I would say, just like session design and unit design and finding different uh, frameworks for parts of our work to live in so that we can kind of meet people where they're at. We've had people ask us about online coaching and about online communities. And and so we're sort of just in a space where we are exploring, responding to what people feel like they need and trying to package this content in different ways that people are interested in interacting with. But in our, in our imaginations and in the world of worlds, this work lives all year round with many different kinds of stakeholder groups and has lots of different frames. Yes. Yeah. I would think that the extended learning community, the, the after school people, the summer school people, intercession, you know, groups, those educators also well, find this program uh, wonderful because they can add such a you know new, a different dimension to what they do to their programs. So another thing that stood out for me, lots of things stood out for me as I was reading and learning about your, your programs, is that you reach beyond the field of environmental education. Tell us about your corporate work. Who do you speak with in corporate settings? So this is a new space for us. We are hopefuls in that arena. Um, That version of our program uh, is designed and living, but we are not yet, because of how we've lived our lives so far, gone beyond educators, students, and practitioners. So that is a space that we hope to be in, um, knowing that we have folks that we've met already that have interest in us being connected to their organizations um, and are often, we, we have gotten feedback that we seem to be the kind of program that might be low stakes, but good, strong DEIB professional development offerings for organizations of all kinds. And Dan, I leave space for you to add, you know, more there that you might want to say, but that's just an arena that we know that we um, have uh, an opportunity with and and a group of folks that we are hopeful um, to be connected to in the future. So that's just one of kind of our newest components. Yeah, we're very excited to explore that that version of DEIN and you know start to work with some of those groups and in sort of talking with people informally. You know, there is a, some concern. You know, you hear that that you know a lot of DEI work in corporations it ends up back. You know you know, backfiring, there's a lot of resistance. It can sometimes make the situation worse. So we th- we're thinking that this is a, a different way. Like I said before, you know, it starts with some fun. It starts with, you know, some ways to enter, you know, where people are kind of working together, interacting, and then, you know, build into some of the other conversations and ideas and actions. But, you know, we want to have something that's measurable, that something has a positive impact. You know, we want to be very mindful that it's, that when we're going into an organization that it's going to be, it's going to be positive and that we're doing something that's going to help. Absolutely. And something that's different, you know, that was one of the first things that, that people said when they started looking at our work, that it just feels so different from other DEI learning or training, right? Because that is also really popular language um, in the field that people hear about. And they're like, wait a minute, like, you're saying that you would come and we would go outside and we would do yeah. what? Or that you could bring that inside and we could do what? Like that seems so low stakes and less scary and less, right? Polarizing, all of these things. So we're hoping to meet people in the very near future. But we we sort of started taking our show on the road. I mean, only a, a year and a half ago. So we're, we're new out here and excited to meet folks. I think another part of it is that there's all, there is the, the the DEI component, but what we've discovered and been super exciting is that just going since just going outside is such a benefit for your you know health and emotional health, physical health. That in a way, even if they the DEI you know there's not this dramatic change in that, but they're just people are getting outside, they're getting excited about the outdoors, they're coming coming more comfortably outdoors. You know that that's a real positive. That's real positive too, and that 
if they're gaining, gaining a sense of belonging to the outdoors and wild nature and getting a sense of belonging to their community, you know, it's, that's good all around. And it doesn't have to be this. This is one thing, you know, Camille taught me at the very beginning. We're not going to, you know, come into some organization and just like fix it. All right. But we can get things started and there's just, you know, Again, I keep coming back. To, I don't start. Just keep coming back to. It's just good to be outside, and that's going to be helpful for any, for everybody. Mm-hmm. Dan, you have years and years of experience as a science teacher, as an environmental educator. You've written books. You've ha- you've authored, you know, what a hundred articles, and so there are many points of entry, many ways to start your conversations. This is such exciting work. I mean, does it have you digging through your file cabinets, <laughs> reminding yourself of what you did and all the good work that you've done? <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> Go ahead. It, okay, sort of a, a side story. Right now, I'm planning the, we're taking the sixth grade on an overnight outdoor education trip to the nature, the residential nature center where I first started. And, you know, it's been a few years since we've done it. So it's kind of getting it all together. So I was talking with the nurse at our school because we have to arrange all the medical forms. And, you know, she's like, oh, are you going to Greenkill? And I didn't, I didn't realize that she's like, I remember you from when I went to Greenkill like 30 years ago and the Daisy. <laughs> and so that sort of blew my mind about how long I've been doing it. And just sort of realizing, you know, sort of occurred to me today, like how much of the same, what I learned, you know, in those, early years, I'm saying 30s, really 40. I know I'm still, those are the still, here I am using them still and bringing them this whole new work. So yeah, it is super exciting to kind of go back and like, oh yeah. Or even just, oh, there was a quotes that I used to use or there's this or that. Um, because there's, yeah, it's just exciting to have this whole you know, kind of revise, I don't know if revise is the right words. To do it. I guess let's start that one over. I don't know. <laughs> just, it's just, Yes. The answer to your question, yes. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that's good. Does that answer the question? <laughs> yes, that absolutely does. My, uh, my own experiences with outdoor camp, very limited. Um, the last time I went, it was as an adult in 2018, and it was I had so much fun. And I was so impressed with these young educators and um, their energy how thoughtful they are and how inclusive they are. And they really want to make sure people feel safe and comfortable. And just that whole, that whole weekend, that whole conference, it was really a really positive experience. So I can only imagine that when you take your class out there, it's just going to be, you know, that plus so much more. And then when you take adults out there, I don't know how you, you know, where you would take adults, would you take adults to that same type of a setting or would you, Take them sure. to yep. someplace else. Yeah. Um, I say we're, we're open to everything. So yeah, it would be, it would be, we, we have so much we want to share and that's also, it's been so good. It's so much better. We could probably have a whole week long, you know, session it's because, you know, we, we keep getting new ideas, new ideas. Like when we did our equity seminar at the people of color conference, Oh, we have three and a half hours, you know, that, you know, and then we just were like, we didn't even get through everything. So yeah, it'd be cool to have like a, a weekend retreat, and you could just, you know, could do so many good things. Okay. So you've got, you have a programs for your students. You have programs for, um, you're reaching out to other educators, extended learning professionals. You're reaching out to parents. You're reaching out to uh, business people and other professionals outside of the field of, of education. What's next for you? <laughs> Okay, Camille. <laughs> um, so I, I, Dan and I have so many, so many dreams, uh, and and so many things that we're excited to do together. And I think that one of the, one of the first things that I would pick up out of that beautiful big bucket that just keeps getting more stuff in it is that what's next for us is just building community. We are meeting people, and what we hope is that we can create a movement that will bring people together but then keep them in a sustained dialogue and keep them together. So not thinking about becoming sort of, you know, 
that that program that a company sees one time and they're like, oh, yeah, we did that one thing years ago. Um, and even if, you know, a company is only bringing us one time, knowing that there are five people that we met that day that have become a part of this DEIN community of their own choosing, because what we also hope to do is to create an impact through others. Right. We're not teaching about radical empathy because we want people to think about it for a moment. Dan and I came together and then stayed together because, right, this could have just been isolated to his sixth grade class. We came together and then we stuck together because we care about this work living through people. And for us, it's not a one-time thing or that thing you did one time, but we hope that people will build new friendships because of this. We hope that people will join us if we ever created an online community because of this. We hope that people will follow the movement, but also become a part of what's happening. Um, I'm thinking about you know, people that we met when we hosted our, our, our equity seminar at the People of Color conference last year that were literally finding moments of I could be mentoring this person that's sitting across the room from me. How do I bring them into what I'm doing, even though I'm in this school over here? I'm thinking about this piece that we're doing on Earth Day this year where people are going to be coming together from all so many schools, right? And it gives people an opportunity to think about being a part of something. So for me, of all of the many things that we could be designing next or places we could go next or pitches and proposals that we could be submitting next, my heart is so focused on, okay, so how do we start building community? So people don't think of us as something that they're consuming, right? Like a program, I'm just going to consume this, but something that they're bearing witness to and then going to become a part of so that we can be long-lasting change makers. That's, that's what I would say. I agree. I'm all on board. And that's why I'm really grateful for being on this podcast because it's a way of just spreading, you know, spreading, spreading the word and being involved. I mean, I'm so much of this has been a learning process for me, learning you know, so many things for Camille and that when I continue with the other people that we meet, learning from you, you know, this learning, it's a group effort. <laughs> yes. And that's a perfect way to, to explain it, Camille, that it's not just something that is consumed. Your work, your program is not something that's consumed. It's something that people stay engaged with. And I love your, what you just, what you said about bearing witness to its growth, what comes next and being open to future partnerships and just conversations with other people, you know, in the, for the participants. To just start thinking about it, it's like just the habits. Like we want people to like, okay, you have the habit of when I walk out the door, I'm going to look up at the trees on my way to the, my, wherever I'm to my car, or as far as just starting to be feeling more sense of belonging, or I'm just going to get in the habit of, being more mindful of how I'm speaking to a colleague who I don't know very well and just start, you know, gaining, gaining all these little, you know, habits. So it isn't just a one-time thing. Like these are just practices I'm going to try to put into my life. I appreciate that, Dan. And if I could say one more thing about it, cause I was using a lot of words before, cause I was kind of feeling my way through it, but I think that if I could just summarize it into a, a thought, we don't want people to think that DEIN is a product. We're not selling a product and it could be really easy to see DEI trainings and DEIB workshops and think that you're just there. That's what I was saying about that consuming piece, right? Like we're going to go buy this product. Um, that's not what it's about for Dan and I. Um, and, and we want people to feel like DEIN is a community and we're having a, we're having a journey. And we want people to be a part of that journey and we want to co-construct that experience and we want people to collaborate with us on that experience. I mean, we've met people, Dan, in the last few months that are like, I want to, I want to know what you guys are thinking about and talking about and like, I want to work with you. And so like that for me is what makes it feel like the work that we're trying to put in front of people is something that we're inviting people to bear witness to because we want it to be about the process and the journey and the storytelling and the learning and not that that thing on the back of a brochure that you're like, do I want to have that? Would we like that? Would we like to own that or buy that? But it's really about being a part of something with others in community. Beautiful. <laughs> so your Earth Day event, will it happen on April 22nd or will it be a weekend event? Dan, would you like to talk about it? Yes, we're holding it at our, at our school um, on Earth Day, April 22nd. And mm -hmm. we've invited, well, we started off by inviting the other local 
there's some other local independent schools near us. So we invited all of them, but we are starting to branch out to invite basically anyone that wants to you know join us. So if there's any of your listeners that live on Long Island, <laughs> then what? Um, but yeah, we're, you know, we just hope, you know, we've got some of our own colleagues are coming, some other people that we're working with. So hopefully we'll have a nice, a nice group and a beautiful day. But even if it's raining, doesn't matter. And we'll be able to, you know, really share what, share, share and learn from others. Absolutely. And I think what we, we would be saying is, you know, we, we are designing this specific event to give educators uh, that we know of in the New York area that maybe didn't have access to going to the People of Color Conference to get kind of a taste of what we were presenting in our equity seminar right here on Long Island, because we're always thinking about building community partnerships. Um, and so, you know, we are thinking about opening up that list even more. We have enough facility space to host a beautiful group of people. And I agree with Dan, if somebody is in the New York area and curious and you're interested in, in just talking to us about it, you're more than welcome to contact us. I'm sure at some point you'll ask us about our contact information, but we would welcome, you know, meeting new friends, especially if they're your listeners and they're interested and sharing a little bit about who they are, we'd be happy to welcome them um, into some of these spaces with the, with others that we're building. And so where can listeners learn more about you and reach out to you if they have questions about your program? All right. Well, we each of us, we have our own websites and we also have a website for DEIN. So for me, it's www.dancreesberg.com. So this is probably the best one of trying to, you know, context us directly is contact D-E-I-N consulting at gmail.com. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, you can find um, uh, me, Camille Simone Edwards at um, Camille Simone consulting.com. Um, my email is hello at Camille Simone consulting.com. And what Dan and I have done is made sure that on both of our websites, uh, because we are both consultants outside of working in, in our work here at school, um, we have embedded information about DEIN. So you can contact us about DEIN through, through either portal or pathway that you take, or you can reach us at the email alias that Dan shared, um, because we share it. And that's contact DEIN consulting at gmail.com. We, we're putting resources on our site page. We are always going to be talking to people about content and we're happy to just start conversations. Like we said, it doesn't have to be about a product that you want to, to buy. It can be about building relationship. We love that. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you for this information. And I'll make sure that it's all listed in the show notes, uh, links to both of your websites. Is there an audience that you would like to connect with that you haven't been able to connect with? I love that question. Sorry, I just got so excited. <laughs> um, my short answer would be, People who are decision makers in their organization. I think it's really easy to look at the work that we do and think, oh, this would be great for my people. And I say that lovingly, like my people, I love my people. Let's get my team there. And, and I'd love to know that we are in rooms co-constructing experiences for decision makers in organizations, knowing that schools are also organizations, right? Um, that we are sitting at a table with people who are making decisions about things like culture, about things like pace, about things like productivity, about things like objectives and outcomes and metrics for success. These are folks that I would be grateful to know that we are meeting regularly and that we are not only meeting people that have been, you know, offered this opportunity on behalf of someone who's looking out for their organization as a decision maker. We want to, I would like to, and I, I know that Dan would too, philosophically, based on how we're aligned, meet people that are making decisions about others, because this work is for everyone. Dan, what do you think? How about you? Um, definitely. And I would add also that, you know, I, you know, I'm able to get, I have a lot of access to the outdoors. It's not a problem for me, <laughs> even though I want more. But for a lot of people, they don't have that kind of access to the outdoors. They don't have for a variety of, of reasons. And I think it would, be, it would be important for us to help people gain more access to the outdoors, people who might not have that opportunity um, for all the benefits that 
we all, we gain from you know feeling a greater sense of belonging to to nature. I mean, we all we all belong. We don't we can't not belong, but not everybody feels like they belong. So part of our work, I like to see, is is more of that, and and talk to those those people. Is there anything that I haven't asked that you would like to uh, make sure listeners know about? Did I not ask a question that you would like to have answered? It feels like the questions give us space to to share a little bit about who we are and what we do and why we do it. And I think that if there was something that I'd, I'd love to share just as a closing thought, um, first is gratitude just for the space. It's so generous of you to invite us into your community um, of listenership and, and a podcast um, as just two guests. And we're grateful for that opportunity. And I And I also would like to say that we are just here to help people have conversations that matter and to really think about everything that earth can teach us about being a role model for care. And so if that even remotely interests you as a thought or idea, and you're curious, we, you are, you know, two moments away from being able to reach out to us and, and to start a conversation that matters to you. I believe that communities can heal each other in concentric circles. We believe that this work is for everyone. And there is a way for us to commit to making sure anyone can have access to something that they can use in the work that we're doing to lead a more sustainable um, practice of living that's about inclusivity and belonging. So thank you so much. And that it doesn't have to take place in a national park or a it could be a city park. It can be virtually anywhere. And one of the things that we've sort of developed are calling it the continuum of wildness that, you know, there's, there's wildness everywhere. Some places have more or less human presence. But if you, once you start being attentive, paying attention, that you can gain your sense of belonging in a, you know, the middle of New York City, in the middle of Alaska. You just have to start paying attention and that the greater, the more you pay attention in both in both ways along the continuum, the more places you're going to have that sense of belonging. Thank you so much, Dan and Camille, for joining us today and for teaching Thank us so you. much. Thank you for having us. To learn more about diversity, education and nature or DEIN, Click on the link in the show notes. In the show notes, you will find DEIN's contact information, a link to Dan's website, Earth Wisdom, and a link to Camille's professional development practice. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and colleagues and rate it on Apple Podcasts. Did you know that I have a newsletter? To receive updates about this podcast, my media projects, and event news, consider subscribing to The Trail, the official newsletter for Talaterra. Click on the link in the show notes to join a community of peers and prospective community partners. Thank you for joining us today. See you next time.